to Discover Health, where we help you take control of your health so you can transform your life. Your host, functional medicine expert, Dr. Trish Murray, is on a mission to help every baby boomer age with dignity and grace. Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Trish. Welcome to Discover Health Podcast, and I'm really excited to have a fellow functional medicine doc with me tonight, who's an author of his book entitled Unfunk Your Gut. So that's going to be the title of our podcast today, folks, Unfunk Your Gut. It's Peter Koslowski. Hi, Dr. Koslowski. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to have you on. It's always such a pleasure to talk to another functional medicine specialist that that's pretty much all you're doing and, and that's your focus. So it's so mm-hmm. exciting. So let me first uh, share your bio with folks and then we'll get right into it. Yeah. So as a functional medicine MD, Dr. Peter Koslowski uses a broad array of tools to find the sources of the body's dysfunction. He takes the time to listen to his patients and plots their entire history on a timeline. I love it. We're going to have to talk about that. Considering what makes them unique and co-creating with them a truly individualized care plan. Currently, he works with patients online and in person via his Chicago, Illinois, and Bosman, Montana-based offices. That's got to be tough. But (laughs) Dr. Koslowski did his residency in family practice, but started training in functional medicine right off the bat as an intern. He trained in the clinics with leaders in the functional medicine field, including people you folks have heard of, Mark Hyman, Dr. Deepak Chopra, and Dr. Susan Blum. Dr. Koslowski has been practicing functional medicine for over 10 years. And again, he is the author of Unfunk your gut. So welcome, Peter. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. So Peter, the first question I always like to ask people, because people want to know is, you know, what's your story? How Mm -hmm. how did you end up in the functional medicine realm? Because not all of us are doing this. We trained in traditional medicine, went through all our years, and something led us to want to do more. So what's your story? Mine's a little bit different, I think. Most functional medicine doctors go into it because they had some kind of physical disease and they tried the traditional medicine and they didn't get better. So they found functional medicine. I didn't have a physical disease, but I had a mental disease and that was issues with alcohol and alcohol abuse. And so it was a combination of that and and random luck that got me into functional medicine. When I started residency as a family practice doctor, I would have never dreamed that I'd be a functional medicine doctor. I didn't even know what it was. I'd never even heard of it. I also never dreamed that I had a problem with alcohol. And I found out that I did uh, because I tried to stop drinking and I had no idea how to deal with life. And um, it was hard for me to accept because I was really successful. Everything was going right for me. So I'm like, how could I have a problem? But I did. And, um, I went, I took a break from residency for six weeks and went to like a partial inpatient treatment program, basically like rehab. And, uh, when I was there, it was, I was there with all other 
doctors and lawyers and all these professionals. And I was just like, so confused by the whole situation, but, um, it was a life-changing experience, obviously. And the treatment for me would, I think for anybody that goes through that, it has nothing really to do with the alcohol or drug. It has everything to do with the why, like why you drink or why you use. And for me, that was the first time that I was really introduced to the concept of like underlying cause. So it made a lot of sense to me. Um, it was helping me when I went back to residency. Um, I, we, as a resident, you're trained by different doctors every week, every month, every day, you're getting influenced by a lot of different people. And we had a doctor, uh, his name is Dr. Batra. Every time a patient was admitted and he was on our inpatient service in the hospital, he would start a multivitamin and vitamin D. And we thought it was a joke and we were usually actually pretty upset about it because we were the interns that kind of had to do the scut work and write those orders. We thought it was a waste of time. And so one day I just kind of asked him, I was like, Dr. Batra, why are you weird? Like, what are you doing? And, and he's like, I'm studying functional medicine. And he opened up the website, showed it to me. I was like, this looks interesting. And you're required to do CME as a resident. So I signed up for the IFM, uh, AFMCP, the kind of general course on functional medicine. Mm -hmm. And within the first hour of my first conference, I just knew that I could never look at medicine the same. I thought it was all full of crap and, and like hocus pocus type stuff. And everything was taught from like biochemistry, physiology, anatomy, like all of it just made so much sense that I was just like, I, I just couldn't figure out why this is not the standard. But um, so that that's kind of like, I, I just kind of got lucky. Um, cause I, it's not something that I, I would have ever dreamed that I would do, but, um, I'm very grateful that it happened. That's an awesome story. I mean, so many of us come from so many different avenues and, and everyone, one of us is unique, obviously. And, you know, to talk about that training you did with the, the very first program you listened to or went to, and that idea that you know, you listened and you were like, wow, they are actually explaining how the physiology leads to the cause and then showing me and I can follow the bouncing ball mm -hmm. rather than, you know, back in medical school, they give you all the physiology and then they teach you the protocol you're supposed to follow and the pill you're supposed to prescribe. And then exactly. wait a minute, what happened to the bouncing ball? What happened to the physiology and how does it connect to why this medicine works or, or, or what else could we possibly be doing? Right. And the other thing you said was, you know, just your story. And of course, anyone I interview on this has their story. And the fact that our story is what tells a provider or anyone that you're working with what led you to where you are today. So mm -hmm. how do you do the timeline? And do you work? How do you collect the data, for example, and we'll talk a little bit about the timeline and the matrix in the functional medicine realm. So the way that I collect my data is with intake paperwork before a patient comes in to see me. Um, so they, a, a patient will fill out about 40 pages of intake paperwork. I spend um, sometimes an hour going through that before the visit. And that's where in my head, I'm coming up with the timeline of what's going on in their lives. And I don't 
write it out typically like the the timeline i kind of put it together in my head um i, th- I feel like we all have a different approach and just in doing this over time, I, I feel like I, I can put it together in my head. Mm-hmm. So I have a pretty good idea when someone comes in of things that I'm thinking. And then we, we talk about it. We, you know, we, my initial visit with me is typically about an hour and a half and we get really kind of into it and deep. A, a good example is I had a woman a couple of days ago uh, who's a nurse who developed two years ago, this autoimmune condition on her hands that they can't figure out. She's got a very positive ANA, all her other um, autoimmune antibodies are negative. And then her only symptom is a rash that's coming uh, on her skin with some fatigue. And so we were, I was going through her intake paperwork and I was kind of plotting it. I didn't really see anything that made sense. And then we, when we were talking, she's like, I started asking about her work history. She's a dialysis nurse. Four years ago, she started at this new office. Well, the, at the new office, the walls are literally caving in due to water damage. And two years after being in that environment, the autoimmune issues came out of nowhere. So in my timeline, it came out at that point that like, I think that you have a mold problem. And so we ordered mold testing and I usually order heavy metal testing when I do mold testing. And uh, that's where we're going to start. And that, I think that's a unique example because the majority of the time I do start with the gut. um, But when something does come out like that on the timeline, uh, I will kind of change course. Yeah. I mean, so the timeline itself, so people understand is actually asking you to you know, many times, no matter how a provider does it, like I have a health coach who will actually spend an hour with each patient and they go through and and put it in a timeline. You know, Mm -hmm. what was their, what was it like with their mom when they were pregnant with them? What was Mm -hmm. their birth like? And then I ask every decade, you know, depending on how old they are, you know, what physical illnesses, what physical traumas and what emotional traumas have they had? Mm -hmm. So it just all, gives you or I, however we collect the information, all the data that has brought someone, the events that have brought someone to where they are in their life today. Exactly. And it allows us to see exactly things like you just described, you know, and, and the many times where people will say ever since this event, like mm-hmm. when I moved into this new office, that's when I started to feel sick yeah. or ever since that motor vehicle accident or ever since such and such infection. I've not felt well. And right. it, folks, that's what gives us the information. And if we'd ever collected it, then we don't know. Right. So when you're going in, you know, what was your, you know, even during residency, how much time did you have with patients to collect any information? 15, 20 minutes. I mean, maybe if you're lucky and you have some no-shows, 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, it's very different. I mean, I already spent four times the amount of time on somebody's history before I even meet them. So it, it is, it, it's hard. I mean, it, it's a really hard to work in the traditional environment. I, I think that all doctors go into it because they want to help people. But when you are limited by 15, 20 minute visits, it's, it's hard, especially if you've got someone that's coming in that's in their twenties or in their sixties, there, there's a lot of history there that, and important points that, 
I mean, even in all our whole process sometimes can be missed. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's a slow process, functional medicine. It, it's not, I mean, I always warn my patients, like, I'm not going to give you a pill to feel better. Like you're not going to feel better tomorrow. We're, we're going to be ordering testing. We're going to be coming up with a plan to figure out what's wrong. And then we're going to try to get rid of what's wrong. And then you should start feeling better. Yeah. And one other question before we sort of get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of lifestyle and diet changes for the gut, but um, the idea that obviously you're working a different, you know, you're not working in a traditional system because the system's broken. So how the heck does it work that you're in Chicago, Illinois and Bosman, Montana? How does that work? Uh, telemedicine. Mm -hmm. um, that was the, the only good thing that happened out of the pandemic, I'd say in my life is that I, I learned that I don't, I can, we've had a, a year and a half of data of working on mostly telemedicine and, and our results have been pretty much the same. Um, so just a, a, for me, it's just a, actually a personal kind of mental health decision is I, I mean, I never thought I would leave Chicago. I was born there and raised there and spent most of my adult life in downtown Chicago. Um, but it, it just got very difficult last year and it uh, became very unsafe. And mm. for someone who's uh, in recovery, um, I really value my mental, emotional and spiritual health. And I, I find that I can stay healthier living in the mountains um, and working still in Chicago. So it's a pretty sweet deal. Um, we definitely have some patients that are like, well, I'm not going to see him if I can't meet him in person. Um, I do go back to mm -hmm. Chicago a few times a year, um, and work in my office there. And I did hire a doctor who sees patients in Chicago in my Chicago office, my assistant Jasmine, who's also my life coach, uh, who's the life coach for my practice. She's still in Chicago. So, and we've, I've been here for almost a year now and we've, so far it's running smoothly. We haven't had any problems. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, for somebody who grew up in New York and now I live in the white mountains of New Hampshire and you know, it's a nice place to visit. Wouldn't want to live there anymore. And that was Never. even way pre pandemic. So, <laughs> so I get it. You like to live in the mountains and where it's just open and you be in the woods all the time for sure. Yes. So Peter, what are the most important lifestyle and diet changes you can make to heal your gut once and for all? Um, so this, this answer might shock a lot of people, but to me, the key to gut health is your mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And so if there's one thing that people could do, it, it would be to stay in the present moment. And everything in our society kind of takes us out of that. Uh, there was a philosopher that said, anxiety is worrying about the future. Depression is worrying about the past. So what's the treatment, the present moment. And that, so I talk about that the most because that's the biggest roadblock I find in my patients. When, when people come in to see me, they are willing to do any diet, order any testing, take any supplements. They're willing to change anything. But when I bring up trauma, mental, emotional, spiritual health relationships, huge red flags go up. Like, no, this is not an issue for me. And I, I will flat out tell my patients, like, I, I don't think there's any hope for you then with healing these chronic issues. 
Um, that's how passionate I, I am, I guess, about mental, emotional, spiritual health because of the gut brain connection. And your gut is a tube that runs from the mouth to the anus. It's made up of your mouth, esophagus, stomach, small intestine, large intestine, your pancreas, your gallbladder, liver are, are all attached. That tube is surrounded by a nervous system called the enteric nervous system. The enteric nervous system has more neurons than like your brain does. It's somewhere they estimate between 100 and 500 million neurons in that nervous system. That nervous system of your gut is connected to your brain by your vagus nerve. So there is the vagus nerve is a cranial nerve that runs from your brain to your gut and heart and lungs. The vagus nerve is like a highway carrying information in both directions from the brain to the gut, the gut to the brain. Well, the vagus nerve runs on your autonomic nervous system, which is your automatic nervous system. You, it is operating all the time you don't think about it. It's just happening in the background. It can be in two responses, which are sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic is fight or flight. Parasympathetic is rest and digest. So we need both responses. And the analogy I really like is now that I live in the mountains is let's say I'm hiking in, in the mountains and I see a grizzly bear my sympathetic nervous system is activated. The blood and energy go to my brain and my muscles so I could survive, right? If I do survive and I'm sitting by the campfire having a s'more, I'm in parasympathetic, in rest and digest. My body, my brain is telling my gut like, okay, now's your time to shine. Let's break down this food that you're eating and the rest of us can relax. So we need those, both those responses to survive and to digest. People nowadays are living as if they're running from a bear 24 seven. And, and that's why I think gut health, one of the main reasons why it's going so downhill is um, we wake up and the first thing we do is check our phones and our email and our texts. And then we check social media and the breaking news. And right away, the sympathetic response is activated and it's like, all right, today's a survival day. Then we sit down for breakfast and we turn on the news again. Okay. Today's a survival day. There's a lot of bad things happening in the world. Stomach don't make stomach acid gut lining. We don't need you right now. Probiotics. We don't need you. All those things can go to waste because we're in survival mode. And so those are the effects of the sympathetic nervous system on the gut. It is the, you stop making stomach acid. If you stop making stomach acid, you don't digest your food. Your gut lining becomes more leaky. And that term leaky gut, the, anything can flood into your body. You can, you shut down your microbiome from growing. And we can actually see how stressed out you are based on your stool analysis. So all of those things functions are really bad and, and people don't realize they think like, oh, well, I ate fast food for 10 years. So that must be the reason my gut's in bad shape, but they don't want to acknowledge like the trauma that happened to them when they were kids. Right. Which probably is playing a much bigger role than uh, the, the bad diet and trauma. The best definition I've heard of trauma is trauma is anything less than nurturing. 
most people think of trauma as like violence and, and kind of more severe things under the definition of anything less than nurturing. It could be as simple as like a child coming home from school, wanting to show off their homework. The parents are too busy to pay attention and a signal is started. Like I'm not good enough. My parents don't want to pay attention to me. I'm not good enough. The gut is shut down. And then that may not present as anything at five years old, eight years old, but then they get to college and they're 20 years old. Now all of a sudden gut issues start and then they get to 30 and uh, now they've been diagnosed with lupus or eczema or something like that. And it started from a young age. So that is not everybody's story, but that's a very, very, very common story that I see. And um, when it comes to the other parts of the gut, like SIBO, like dysbiosis due to bacteria or candida, low stomach acid, leaky gut, uh, all of that stuff to me is very easy to work with. It, it, it is, there's good testing, there's good treatment, but the biggest thing that gets in the way is our minds and our bodies and our spirits. Discover movement will enhance your mobility, build strength, improve balance, and enable you to move with confidence and ease. To register, please visit our Discover Health online shop at members.discoverhealthfmc.com. But again, that comes back to the timeline. I mean, Dr. Kozlowski, I read so many timelines and so many times I read about what are called adverse childhood events. Mm-hmm. And the more and more they're there and, and it's obvious that they're there even. And then others, like you say, it's not as obvious, mm-hmm. but they're there. And to the point where when I see patients many times, I'll say, you know, there's the elephant in the room over here. Mm-hmm. that we need to look at with the abuse you see received as, at this age and, and this went on at that age and, and the rape or the sexual abuse or and those are extremes but right. but sometimes it's also just neglect um right. or, or this just a very dysfunctional family with very high stress all the time because the parents never got along it, right. it's like you know this stuff is the elephant in the room over here and we need to look at it we need to talk about it and we need to talk about not only what are we going to do to heal your gut, like you say, but we need to talk about what are we going to do to help you manage and heal from all of this. Yeah. Um, so what do you do with folks? What does, how do you approach that mental, emotional, spiritual health piece? It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had a number of patients like look at me and be like, so you're telling me I'm crazy. And uh, I'm, I respond like, yes, but don't take it personally because I think we're all crazy. It's just either we're working on it or we're not. Um, it's, it's, I don't know that I've found the right way to talk about it yet (laughs) because it's a very sensitive subject. And again, as somebody that like was being told I had a problem with alcohol, I was very defensive. I was like, no way. Like you guys are crazy. Like, uh, this is not it. Um, so I think that the best way that I do it now is through explaining the gut brain connection. And, um, when we understand that sympathetic versus parasympathetic response, 
how the vagus nerve is attached to the gut, how the vagus nerve is influencing the gut so significantly. I mean, I, I am lucky that most of my patients are very, very motivated and they are like, listen, I, I'm tired of being sick and I want to change things. So they'll listen to me sometimes. Um, I've recommended every patient I've ever met to get a therapist and work with a the therapist while they're working with me. I maybe 15, 20% of people actually follow through with that, but those are the patients that are just doing incredible. Um, therapists help us figure out what is underlying and, and a personal story that I could share is like they, when I was in treatment, they're like, well, you have trauma. And I was like, no, no way. Like I've had a very good life. I was spoiled by my parents. I was good at sports. I had lots of friends. Like I don't have trauma. And what therapy helped me uncover is I was born uh, first generation American. My parents are immigrants from Poland and I never felt good enough. I always felt like an outcast and that created trauma in my head. And when I found alcohol that took away all my insecurities and that's kind of why I got hooked on it. But so that, I mean, I went through that process kicking and screaming. Like I was like, no way, like this is not possible. Um, so I think that helps somewhat to share my own story because I, I almost think, and it's, it's hard for me to say, but it's sometimes almost easier when someone's got a really significant trauma that, that anybody can look at that and be like, wow, that person really went through it. Then somebody like me that you look at their lives and they're like, what, what is this guy complaining about? Like, he, you know, and it, it's almost more difficult, I think, but, um, therapy, um, I encourage exploring meditation. I do a gratitude list every day with my wife, three things we're grateful for exercise is a massive one for me. Um, and I, it's hard. I mean, it, it's, so when you mentioned like the functional medicine matrix and what's at the core of the functional medicine matrix is mental, emotional, spiritual health. And I think for a lot of practitioners, they get so excited about the stool testing, the toxins, hormonal imbalance, cardiovascular health, all these things that are, you know, this is such an awesome way to look at all these different conditions. Well, a lot of us forget about the center of it, which is mental, emotional, spiritual health, and none of those systems will heal without that. So to me, it's the most important part of health. It's the most difficult part for me to help someone with. It is what works for me. Like I kind of gave you the things that I do might be totally different for somebody else, right? You can the next person you talk to or your own routine for mental, emotional, spiritual health could look totally different. And that's fine. It's a kind of like a journey of, of figuring out what works and at different points in my life, different things have been important to me. Um, so very, very difficult, a lot of resistance about it, but without it, I I've never seen a gut heal. Mm. Yeah, the one thing I say many times to folks that I work with and obviously on my podcast and my own book um, is that we all need to sort of have a daily practice to deal with stress management and to allow us time to focus on, on just being quiet and, and getting in touch with ourselves as well as our uh, spirituality and our connection to all that is. 
Um, so whether that's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and, and it doesn't always have to look the same. Yeah. You know, I've done everything from, like you say, exercise to meditation to deep breathing. But more recently, I'm doing, are you familiar with Wim Hof and his breathing techniques? It's a, it's a really interesting breathing technique where you breathe in and out pretty relatively rapidly, but, but just full breaths in and out, but for as many as 30 counts. Wow. And then you would hold your breath for, at first, maybe 30 seconds, but then you work your way up. I can hold my breath now for as much as two to two and a half minutes. And it's pretty amazing. And I'll do it every night before sleep. So wow. it, it helps me just, obviously I can't think about anything else <laughs> while I'm doing it. So it's kind of a neat uh, technique and I've shared it with clients and they, and they, they seem to love it. Some of them, you know, like yeah. you say, not everybody's going to find the same thing that, that works for them. But yeah. I totally agree that we all, the mental, emotional, spiritual health is the center of the matrix and that you're not going to heal your gut unless you focus on that for sure so help folks understand unfunk your gut this is the book you've written and is this portion of what we're talking about now a big piece of the book and tell us about that yeah so my book is my experience in functional medicine um it was a kind of a life goal of mine when i started practicing that i would want to write a book one day and i feel like i finally had kind of enough um, experience with patients that I had a story to tell. And it's, it's, an, it's a description of what functional medicine is, which is your listeners know very well, but it is focused on the gut and it starts with diet. So I've always used elimination diets to identify food sensitivities. And then I have a general chapter about nutrition. And actually the first chapter is, it's kind of funny to most people, but I basically did an experiment of Googling abdominal pain and seeing all the places that it took me. And so I go through a history of all the things that I could convince myself of just by clicking twice on Google. The advice that I give at the end of that first chapter is every time you want to get on the internet to read about what might be wrong with you, try meditating instead and see what happens with your health. So one of the things I think that we're uh, dealing with is just information overload, right? You, if you want to focus on your gut health or on headaches or on your hormones or your thyroid, you can find hundreds of experts online with Instagram pages and Facebook and blogs and posts. And every single person has a different opinion. And then there's the groups and Facebook and people talking about healing, not healing. And just people are being bombarded and focusing on this uh, information. And I think it's almost like an addiction. Um, I had a patient the other day that I told her, I was like, it, I think that you need to take a month off from reading about anything health related. And her response looked exactly like the response when told me somebody told me not to drink for a month. And it, I get it because people are, it's interesting. They want to help themselves. They want to help each other. And not everybody goes off the deep end with the information, but it can be really dangerous. I've seen people really sick just from the things they've convinced themselves through um, the internet. At the same time, the internet's amazing because our practices wouldn't exist without it. So I get it. 
my other piece of advice is just to find a practitioner that you trust and then stick with them and get off the internet and do the meditation every time instead. So after that, I get into the anatomy of the gut. Um, I explain what low stomach acid is, um, how to treat it. Um, I give a plan of how to get off acid blocking drugs. If I have a patient that comes in on an acid blocking drug, that's the first thing that I usually will do is help them get off of it. So I give that strategy there. Um, then I get into the whole microbiome and dysbiosis and how it could be connected to disease. And then there's a whole chapter on SIBO and SIBO, um, not really because I wanted to, but I've kind of become a SIBO doctor. It's the most common condition that I treat gut related. So, and I think that's one of the things that there's a lot of just different and a lot of times bad information out there about SIBO. Um, and so I tried to give my personal experience of treating it. I explained the testing, explain the diet, explain, um, what it is and, and the feedback I've gotten from my patients that, or from people that have read the book that never came to see me as a patient are like, well, I just felt way more informed going into my functional medicine visit. So they, they scheduled with somebody else and they were just like, with all the info you described, I explain all the stool testing, organic acid testing. Um, so they're, they're like, you know, I just feel like more educated going into my visit. And the last part is recipes. Um, my recipes, I'm pretty proud of. It's, it's a little different. Uh, one of my patients wrote the recipes. Uh, she's a, a woman that's been in uh, remission with rheumatoid arthritis for six, no, seven years now. And mostly through diet. And she was a chef. And so when I started writing my book, I reached out to her and I was like, hey, would you write recipes? And she said, sure. And then she ended up including her own story and like what it was like coming in to see me and how scared she was and kind of what helped her kind of get started on uh, changing her diet and then sticking to it. So that's kind of a summation of what's in the book. Yeah. Do the recipes focus mostly on the time you would be doing an elimination diet or? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. So they are elimination diet recipes. But there is also the information in each recipe on how to make it low FODMAP. And that's, we called it the cause plan. And and that is something that we saw over the years in in my training as a functional medicine doctor, it's taught to always start with an elimination diet. And -hmm. so that's what I always did. And then we, we were, we were having people that, um, would come back and they'd be like, listen, I feel worse. Like I'm more bloated. I've got more constipation. Um, I've got more abdominal pain. And we were like, why? Well, it's because they had SIBO and they, um, SIBO is an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine, your microbiome, the three to five pounds of bacteria should live in the large intestine. It should not migrate up to the small intestine the bacteria, your gut bacteria are alive. They need to eat to survive. They eat fiber and sugars. And when they do, it creates gas. Well, for a lot of people, when you go from like your traditional diet to an elimination diet, you're eating way more fiber. So you could be exacerbating the SIBO and not really knowing it. Um, 
it, the the cos plan is is very restrictive um and so i don't recommend everybody to go on that um i do give some tips of how to decide but as someone that is so passionate about mental emotional spiritual health i've told a lot of patients i'd rather having you eat fast food every day than following the strict diet where you're only eating three or four things a day and a lot of people are really overwhelmed like by that um but if you're so stressed out about your diet, let's say candida, candida is a very common one that people are like very convinced that they could never heal without the perfect candida diet. Well, what is candida's favorite environment? A, a suppressed immune system and sugar. What does stress do? It release causes you to release cortisol. What does cortisol do? Cortisol suppresses your immune system and causes you to release sugar. So this perfect candida diet that you're following is actually worse than if you were just going to McDonald's. Um, and that, that's, you know, my perspective. And I know that there could, there's uh, a lot of practitioners that might disagree with me and you have to follow the, the exact perfect diet, but it, it depends on the individual. So that, that's what I try to coach people on is like, you know, look this over this would be the ideal diet for you in my opinion. But if this seems overwhelming because you're cooking for three kids and your spouse and then do what you can for now. And then maybe in three months or in six months, you can expand or change or uh, just don't kind of go into that fight or flight response over what you're going to eat. Yeah. You know, that's so true because exactly as you say, your cortisol goes up, it draws liver, it causes your liver to put out more sugar. So it's just the whole becomes a revolving door. Um, you know, in the idea that I also have a program, you know, of course we all do, we put the elimination diet into some form of program. Mine is called the detox plus program, but I also will offer that with a FODMAP overlap because exactly I found nice. exactly what you did Nice. That many people that do the elimination diet by itself have get worse because mm -hmm. they need the lower fiber, the lower FODMAP diet because of IBS or whatever, or SIBO or whatever reason it might be. And again, neither of these diets should be forever. They're, no. they're at a, for a limited amount of time. And then you can start systematically rechallenging to try and identify, okay, well, I'm not sensitive to you know, care this or that, but I am sensitive to, let's say, gluten or dairy or the most high ones. And then you keep avoiding those things. But again, you may not be sensitive forever. Also, right. like you said, because if you he right. start healing the gut, start healing your mental, spiritual and emotional health, then all of a sudden you realize, oh, when I challenge dairy, I'm not sensitive to it anymore. hundred so percent. So one last question before we start to run, you know, wind down here is, you know, what are some of the most, you haven't talked, you talked about mold in the beginning, that, mm -hmm. that of course with the biotoxins of mold is what makes some of us quite sick, mm -hmm. but there's other toxins out there. Do you talk about the most common toxins you see in your book or either, either you're in your book or what are the most common toxins you see in some of your clients? So just last week, I started a second book that is going to be focused on hormones and toxins. And so I, I do work quite a bit with toxins. And the, the number one is heavy metals, lead, mercury, cesium, thallium. Um, that's probably the most common thing that I'm treating from a toxin that, or, I don't know. I mean, I, I also, it, 
I think metals might be more common, but mold I treat, mold mycotoxins I treat more of. Um, there's also, you know, all the phthalates and organophosphates and all these uh, glyphosate, herbicides, pesticides, all these environmental toxins that we're being exposed to. There's EMF. Um, so there, there's a broad array of toxins that I work with. But if I had to simplify it, I would say the two major ones would be heavy metals and mold mycotoxins. Awesome. And just as an interest and in, in curiosity, how what's the top ways that you address the heavy metals? So I do chelation therapy. Um, I do oral chelation. Um, and the way that I test and, and toxins is, I think, definitely an area where you probably get the most different opinions uh, in our field. You know, everybody's kind of got their own style. So my, my personal style or what I learned um, that I've had success, really good success with is for heavy metals, I do pre and post chelation testing in the urine. Mm -hmm which is a two-part test. And that is you wake up, you pee in a cup, and that tells us your active exposure because the first step in detox, doesn't matter what you're detoxing from, is to stop exposure. Mm -hmm. After you do that, you take a dose of a medication called DMSA. It is a chelating agent. And what that means is it pulls what's stored in your body out. And so after you take this medicine, you collect your urine for six hours. And every time you pee, you collect it at the, it's, you get this big orange jug, you shake it up at the end and transfer it to a vial and send it to the lab. We compare the post to the pre. And if there's an elevated excretion after the DMSA, we assume that there's a heavy metal issue. And it, then I will do chelation therapy, which could be anywhere from six months to uh, a few years, um, with breaks and, and, um, so I do use DMSA, um, orally, uh, four days on 10 days off. Um, and because the main side effect of DMSA is that it doesn't just pull the toxins out. It also pulls nutrients out. So I think technically, like if you took DMSA every day, like indefinitely you'd probably kill yourself from like depleting your nutrients. So we do it in a very light manner, um, and it's it's extremely effective. Yeah, I've, I've used DMSA in the, with patients as well. It's interesting how sometimes you go to the, you watch the IFM, Institute for Functional Medicine, and, and it ebbs and it flows as far as the chelation, it seems to me, over the years. You know, then you start hearing them talking about more about modified citrus pectin and less about DMSA and those types, you know, based on, I guess, the level of uh, assertiveness in which you're trying to draw the metals. And like you say, if you don't use, use it properly, it also is going to draw zinc. It's also going to draw the other minerals out of your system. So people do need to be careful about yeah. how they're utilizing that. And you really should be working with a functional medicine provider that's well-versed in yeah. this, such as like some, someone like Dr. Kozlowski. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing all of this, uh, Dr. Kozlowski. Tell folks, how do they find you? Best way to find me is my website, doc-coz.com, doc-coz.com. My assistant's phone number's on there, my email's on there, and people could reach out that way. Um, 
now that I've, my book has come out, I'm on social media on Instagram as doc underscore cause. And, uh, on Facebook is just my name, Peter Kozlowski MD. And yeah, it's my book unfunk your gut and it's funk with a C, like you said, um, we used to say in my practice, we put the funk in functional medicine. So that's where the title came from. And the, over the years, an initial visit with me was, I think our greatest job as practitioners is to educate our patients, give them the tools. So, I mean, I tried to put all my knowledge and experience into that to get someone started on their healing journey while they find a, a practitioner to work with. That's awesome. That's awesome. So thank you so much for joining me on this Discover Health podcast on Unfunk Your Gut. And the last question I always like to ask all my guests is, if you had to pick one thing as your secret to living a healthy life, what would that be? Stay in the present moment. Yeah, it, just for sure. focus on what's in front of you. That's awesome. Well, thank you. It's, it's like the most difficult thing to do. So, uh, you know, it, it's a, not that easy of a goal, but the more you practice, the better and easier it could be. And, and I think that most conditions can help be at least be aided in healing through that. Absolutely. I mean, I've noticed, you know, lately to just share a personal thing of my own is, is that lately I've, I've, I'm trying to start a new business and I've got already multiple businesses. So of course that whole stress thing is going on. And I, I try to catch myself when I'm like doing the dishes, uh-huh. you know, after yeah. dinner and that, that sense of, Oh my God, do I have to really do this? I have so many other things to do. And I try and say, stop, breathe, Yes. Be in the moment and feel the water, feel the soap, <laughs> yeah. look at the dishes, look what they look like. How was dinner tonight? You know, that sort of stuff. Like, like you say, be in the moment, stop worrying about five other things. Yeah. So I would, I love that suggestion. I think that's Thanks. great. Let's try and just be in the present moment and notice it yeah. and actually participate in it. That's yeah. awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And, uh, you know, everybody, this is Dr. Peter Koslowski and Unfunk Your Gut. And I'm (laughs) Dr. Trish Murray of Discover Health Podcast. And we'll uh, see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the episode and the Discover Health Functional Medicine Center, visit us on our website, discoverhealthfmc.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will join us again next time so you can truly live and play as long as you want.